the book of Genesis. It was kind of cool. We figured since, you know, beginning of the year, beginning of the Bible, it just kind of all made sense and kind of meshed well together. And on top of Snowmageddon, we've, uh, I think we've done pretty good. So we're going to learn a little bit about Jacob today. So the title of this message is called Show Love to Leah. Show Leah some love. If you got your Bibles, turn your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 29. That's actually where we're going to read. Uh, I'm going to kind of give us kind of like a little bit of like a background before we get into reading chapter 29. We've got a lot to read today. Are you guys going to stay with me? You can, you can be honest and say, no, I'm going to fall asleep as soon as you start reading. <laughs> I'll be okay with that. So kind of just kind of like catch us up where we're at before we can start reading. Um, we, t- we talked about Isaac last week. Pastor Joy talked about Isaac. So Isaac, he has twins. Their names are Esau and Jacob. And in Genesis chapter 27, Isaac is going to give a blessing to his oldest son, Esau. But the Bible says that he had become blind, and so he couldn't see very well. So Jacob dresses up as Esau and steals his brother's blessing. So, you know, not quite fully equivalent, but how many of us in here have siblings and are used to our siblings stealing our stuff? I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty close. I mean, I can't tell you how many times my kids are talking about how it's usually food is what usually gets taken in, in our house. It's like somebody had an item. Justice is notorious. I'm going to just get there before. Like, he will snatch it off your plate. So, so, I, so I get this whole thing where, where the sibling rivalry and, and Jacob, you know, he wants what Esau is going to have. So, so Jacob dresses up as Esau, steals his brother's blessing, and it, it was his mom's idea, Rebecca. And so he takes the blessing, and this infuri- infuriates Esau to the point where Esau is going to kill his brother Jacob. I mean, have you ever been so mad at your sibling for taking something of yours, you felt like you wanted to kill them? Like maybe you, maybe you said, I'm going to kill you. Have you, anybody ever said that to their sibling? If you have, it's okay because they've said that in the Bible, but just don't act on it. You'll be all right. Just don't, don't do anything with it. Well, he actually was going to do it. He wasn't just threatening him, oh, I'm going to beat you. No, he, he had a plan, and his mother found out about the plan and said, oh, you got to go. Son, Jacob, we got to get you out of here. So Rebecca hears of the plan, sends Jacob to his uncle Laban, her brother in Haran, sends to, to their house, go live with your uncle so that your brother doesn't kill you. But Isaac and Rebecca also wanted Jacob to marry among their family. <laughs> they wanted them to marry one of their cousins. No, it's kind of weird coming out of my mouth. But it's, it's not Kentucky. It's the Old Testament. So, they, you know, I mean, in the, it's not, I can say that I have Arkansas lineage. So, so how do you come back from that? It's true. They wanted him to marry their cousins. I mean, it's, how do you, I mean, it's messed up. It's kind of like weird. You read that and you're like, what's going on here? Marry your cousin? <laughs> Sounds a little Kentuckian to me. So, okay, wanted them to marry amongst family and not marry a Canaanite woman because the Bible says that Esau, his older brother, uh, married two of them, and the Scripture says that they were a sense of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. So he married two foreign women. Esau married two foreign women. For some reason, they were bringing grief to them, so they were like, uh, 
we want you to have, we want a daughter-in-law that's from our family, so go, so why don't you go find one of those. So, so he leaves. Fast forward to Genesis chapter 29. So this is where we're starting. You guys get that little nutshell, kind of bring us up to where we're at? I didn't want to, I didn't want to actually read, because there's so much, this story is so long. I kind of wanted to just kind of skim through all that and get to some of the main stuff that I want to talk about. And it's basically Genesis chapter 29. So we're going to read our word today. And we're going to start in verse 13. So scroll on down to verse 13. It's also going to be on the screen for you today. We're going to read a bunch of verses. This is the word of God that's going to change your life today, amen? Three people said amen. So the rest of us, we're going to leave this place the same. All right. It's all good. Verse 13. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his home. There Jacob told them all these things. Then Laban said to him, you are my own flesh and blood. After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? So, it, so he, was, he was with him and he wasn't just freeloading for a month. He actually was staying there and he was actually doing something. He was helping out. And actually when you, uh, you go back a few verses, actually how how Rachel ended up uh, um, meeting up with Jacob in the first place was he was helping water their, their livestock. So he, you know, I mean, he's a shepherd. He's used to doing that type of stuff. Verse 15, Laban said, just because you're a relative of mine, should you work for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the oldest was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Say Leah and Rachel. All right. Verse 17, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you for seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, that's better that I give her to you than some other man. Go ahead, marry your cousin. Sounds a lot better in my eyes. <laughs> Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But they seemed only like a few days to him because of his love for her. Oh, man, what a great little love story. Verse 22. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. What? Laban gave him the okey-doke. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? I served for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban said, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, and then we will give you the younger one also, in return for another seven years of work. Oh, look at that. I mean, he just kind of, see how he wrote that in there? <laughs> If you, yep, after this, you know, I mean, it's like one of those, right? You ever have to get something, you have to do something for it. So he obviously is working 14 years now for this woman that he only pledged seven years for. Continue on here, verse 28. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah. He finished the week with Leah. Leah. <laughs> May the force be with you. He finished the week with Leah. And then, and then Laban gave his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant Bilpha. Yeah, whatever, to his daughter Rachel as her attendant. 
Jacob made love to Rachel also, and he loved Rachel. His love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah, and he worked for Laban another seven years. So, okay, so we got this guy. He falls in love with this woman, works seven years. They have a they have an awesome uh, party to the point with which he didn't even realize who he was sleeping with that night. And to come to find out, it was the woman that he didn't want in the first place. And so then he gets kind of the okie doke and then he ends up working another seven years. So then he's working 14 years for the one that he was initially going to work seven for. So, so we see, so we see, okay, we kind of kind of backtrack here for a minute. So we see kind of in this situation where Jacob's in, where he's working for one daughter, is deceived by Laban, and then he gets the other. Friends, isn't this interesting? And that Jacob, his name is supplanter, or he deceives. And just a chapter before, he's dressing up like his brother Esau, or excuse me, in two chapters earlier, he's dressing up like his brother Esau and is deceiving his father, and he's getting kind of a taste of his own medicine. So now he's being deceived because Laban kind of dressed up uh, uh, Leah like Rachel and slips her into the tent and deceives Jacob. So he's, he's deceived by his uncle Laban and sleeps with Leah when he thinks it's Rachel. And I just got to tell you this, friends. Huh, you reap what you sow. <laughs> you reap what you sow. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says that. You reap what you sow. So if you are sowing deception, what do you think you're going to get someday? It's going to come back to you. Say it. Deception. So if you, okay, let me try this again because you guys seemed a little asleep. That's okay. If you are sowing deception, you are going to reap. Yeah, there we go. You're going to reap deception. So if you're, that's why the Bible says, you know, that if you sow righteousness, you're going to reap a harvest of righteousness. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, it says, that's why it says, you know, not only be uh, be good to those who are good to you, but be good to your enemies. You know, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Am I saying that's easy? Absolutely not. It's probably some of the hardest, some of the hardest, most difficult things for us to actually do is to love people who don't love us, Right? which has nothing to do with this. So we're going to get back to where we need to get back. And so Jacob is reaping deception because he deceived. And so he, so he got kind of a, he kind of got a taste of his own medicine there. So here we're going to continue reading. we got uh, like five more verses here we're going to read in Genesis chapter 29 to finish off the chapter. We're going to read verse 31 through 35. Just kind of finish this part off. Verse 31, you guys with me? Yeah, it's real easy. You can just kind of look up at the screen now, right? Back in the day, you have to, like, search in your Bible. Verse 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen me in my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Poor Leah. Verse 33, she conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord has heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she married, So she named him si uh, Simeon. Yeah, I was going to have a little tongue twister there. Verse 34. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at least my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So she named him Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
So she named him Judah. And then she stopped having children, at least for that moment, because this girl was a baby-making machine. She had a few more after that. So Leah is unloved by Jacob, and God gave many children, six in all, to Leah. Rachel has two sons, and the, and the Bible actually says that she dies giving childbirth to her second son, Benjamin. So, friends, this is the thing. This is what's kind of interesting to me when I was reading through this, and I just felt the Lord kind of just like tug on this. This is kind of the, 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 the concept of what I want to talk about today. Friends, sometimes what you really want, the things that you really desire, isn't even that fruitful. While the thing that isn't pretty or appealing to you actually can bear and will bear more fruit than you've ever expected. Let me just say that again. Sometimes what you really desire isn't that fruitful, while the thing that's not that appealing is the thing that bears more fruit in our life. Isn't that interesting? Rachel, who is very beautiful, has two sons, while Leah, who is not that attractive, right? I mean, I think the Bible was, was very nice in saying that she wasn't that attractive, right? She has six sons, so she has three times, she bears three times the sons of Rachel. So friends, number one, I just want to, uh, this is our first point. Our greatest fruit can come from the unexpected. Our greatest fruit can come from the unexpected. We can almost, we can almost expect that, that Jacob was spending a lot more time with Rachel, the one that he loved, and so it, it's kind of interesting that God would bear more fruit with the one that is unloved. It's interesting that, and then it's interesting that Jacob works twice as hard for the one that he really wants, in which the one that he didn't want is three times more fruitful. Sometimes you work twice as hard for the thing that's not even going to be that fruitful. And then the thing that you're not even really giving that much attention to becomes more fruitful. That's crazy. I'll tell you what, I wish I knew what was going to be fruitful so I could always focus on that thing and not focus on the thing that I'm pouring my time and energy and resources to that isn't even bearing that much fruit. We all can do it and we all do do it. So Jacob lives a long life with Leah and is eventually buried with her. Genesis chapter 49, verse 31. I wonder if towards the end of his life, if he, if he actually, when Rachel uh, died giving birth, I wonder if there was a point where he actually realized, this is my wife. This is the one that's been with me. This is, the, this is my lifelong partner. I don't know. It doesn't, I just, you know, I wonder if, if sometimes people, they have that, that aha moment. Say aha. Sometimes people have that. Some people, they never have that aha moment. They're just, woo, go through life. But sometimes people just have that aha. I wonder if he had that aha moment because he isn't buried with Rachel. He ends up being buried with Leah. Isn't that interesting? But Rachel was the one that he loved. Rachel was the one that he gave his attention to. He didn't fully love, appreciate her, yet she was the one that was long-lasting. Oh, man. Lord. Sometimes we give attention to the thing that's not long-lasting and the thing that is long-lasting, we're not giving attention to. I believe even like our spiritual walk, our spiritual walk is long-lasting. How much investment are we doing in our spiritual walk compared to 
all the other things that, that, that erase and fight for our attention. What are we showing, quote, unquote, love to or attention to, effort or excellence towards that will not be as effective or fruitful? It may even die out prematurely. The thing that we value, and yet it holds exterior appeal only. And that's the thing. I mean, it's, I think it's human nature for us to be attractive to the thing that has more exterior appeal, the thing that looks better. You know, many of us, we gravitate towards a ministry that looks better. For example, we're going to be doing prayer on Wednesdays. Friends, that is a Leah. It's not, it's not attractive, right? I mean, I mean, who wants to, like, really, like, hey, we're going to get together and pray? It's not like, it's not like worship or it's not like going out in the streets and pan, handing out flyers or doing an outreach where, you know, where, where you're, you're going to affect people. Prayer is like the hard work that, that nobody really cares to do. But yet, let me tell you this, prayer is going gonna, gonna to yield three times as much fruit as what the thing is that we think is going to be fruitful. For example, we do our block parties, right? We did, uh, what did we have? We think we had, what, like 5,000 people show up at our red, white, and boom? How fruitful was that? But that was gorgeous, right? That was beautiful, right? I mean, it was blasted on the radios. I mean, people were, were, were talking about it all around the community. I mean, they're giving you high fives. I mean, the, the news is coming, and they're interviewing us. It looks great. But how much fruit did we actually get from that? See what I'm saying? Where we're walking through the neighborhood, and we're knocking on doors, and that's not fun for some people. And then we have people, we have opportunities to pray for people, and we have opportunities to, but that doesn't look that appealing, right? Doesn't look that pretty. Is there anything in our life like, like, like this? Is there anything in our life that looks good, yet it's shallow, and it will be short-lived? And yet we pour our attention and our efforts into it, which is a question to ask ourselves. Again, it's in our nature to pour our affection into people, projects, ministries, stuff that looks good on the outside, yet it has little substance. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, God says this. He says that man looks on the outward, but God judges the heart. And so, friends, how often are we judging from what looks good, right? I'm guilty. Guilty right here. <laughs> What do we need to give attention to that's not that pretty or appealing, yet it will yield three times the fruit from our efforts? Again, prayer is one of those things, right? Friends, a new trend in the business world, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, maybe you haven't, is to call an idea or an effort sexy. It's, it's, it's just, it is. People do it now. They, you know, if they look at something and they, it's a good idea or it's appealing, they'll say, man, that's really sexy. I'm not a fan of it, obviously. <laughs> Yet, it's the idea that, that it's good looking, and so we want to do the thing that looks good. You know, is there a business, situation, relationship, ministry, or effort that is your Rachel? What is a Leah in your life? What is a Rachel in your life? You know, what, what are the things in your life that looks good, but man, it's really not as fruitful? And what are the things in your life that doesn't really look that appealing, but man, that's the thing that's really taken off? This is what's interesting to, to me, too, before we get to our point number two. It's real interesting to me that Leah burst Levi. 
Does anybody know what happens to Levi? Who, who do the Levites become? The priests of God. So the one that wasn't even given that much attention bore the whole priesthood. Wow. Here we go. Check this one out. Who else did Leah bore? Leah bore Judah. Who was in the lineage of Judah? Jesus. Come on, somebody. Mic drop there. This woman was not only three times as fruitful, this woman bore the lineage of priests. This woman bore the lineage of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Sometimes the thing that we're not even giving that much attention to or affection to will actually be the thing that's going to produce fruit beyond our years. Wow, Lord, give us perspective to see, right? Let me not just see the things that I think are good looking or pretty or, 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 or that are attractive, you know, whether it's ministry, projects, life. But, Lord, let me really see the things that are fruitful. And let me not spend my time with all the things that aren't going to be that fruitful in my life. Number two, friends, our greatest gifts can come out of misery. Your greatest gift can come out of misery. Genesis chapter 29, verse 32. Leah's greatest gift that was given to her was a child, right? Because what does she say in verse 32? I don't know if I put that up there or not. Maybe I didn't put it up there. In verse 32, she says this. She says, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Friends, one of the saddest situations is to be in a relationship with someone that you've devoted your life to and you are not loved by them. That's a sad situation. That's exactly where Leah was at. She was in this relationship that she did not feel loved and she thought, well, if, if only I have a child, maybe he'll love me. And she's in conflict with her sister. Friends, that's why God's plan is only to have one wife. Amen? <laughs> Shoot. I have, I have a hard time keeping up with the one. You can imagine two or three. That's ridiculous. Oh, my. One's enough. Amen? <laughs> if you're married, you should look at your spouse right now and say amen. <laughs> amen. One's enough. Okay. So check this out. Her greatest gift was that was given to her was her children. It was, it was born out of her misery. God saw her in her misery and gave her a beautiful gift, gave her many beautiful gifts, correct? So, friends, your misery, your trial, your storms, your loss, your grief, your brokenness can yield your greatest gift that you have to give, can yield your greatest fruit, and can even be your greatest Worship. Leah, after three sons and still feeling rejected by her husband, her fourth son, she finally turns her attention away from her husband and turns her attention to her Lord, calls him Judah and says, this time I will praise the Lord. She realizes it's the Lord that's providing for her in her situation. Come on, somebody. How many people are stuck in a miserable situation? 
and they're expecting the other person to, to, to do something, then they're not going to do it. When it's the Lord that wants you to grab a hold of him and wants to grab a hold of you, she finally says, you know what, I'm not trying to do this to try to get my husband's approval any longer. I'm naming him Judah because, God, I praise you. Come on, somebody, say amen. She says, this time I will praise the Lord. I'm done trying to find my affection from this guy who's not giving me any attention. That good old lie. If I have a child, he'll love me. So many ladies to this day still thinking that if they have a a child with a man that he's going to love her. To this day, right? Let me say this one more time. Our misery can yield our greatest worship. Our misery can yield our greatest worship. Anyone here know who Spadford Horatio is? You show that picture? You probably don't know who this guy is. So, I don't know if you, how many of you guys have ever heard the story of how that song was written. I've said it a few different times. I've probably said it here a million times, but I'm going to do it again. Just because to me it's so inspiring. So, It Is Well With My Soul is a hymn that's uh, penned by hymnist uh, Horatio Spafford and is composed by Philip Bliss. Uh, after the suffering and loss of his children, he wrote this beautiful hymn as a testament to the salvation he found in Jesus through the good and bad times of his life. And these are these words. I should have put it on the screen. Sorry about that. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like a sea bill a roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet through trials should come, lest the blessed assurance control, this Christ has regard my helpless estate, he hath shed his own blood for my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, O oh the bliss of the glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. So this incredible story of faith belongs to Horatio Spatford. He has a story much like Job, and he places his trust in God during his life's prosperity and also during calamity. So he's a devout Christian who... Uh, he immersed himself in scripture. Many years of his life were joyous, and he, had a, he was a prominent Chico, uh, Chicago lawyer whose business was thriving. He owned several properties throughout the city, uh, and his beloved wife and four beautiful daughters and one son. So just as Horatio hit the pinnacle of his profession and financial success, things began to change. To begin with the tragic loss of their son, not long thereafter, the great Chicago file destroyed nearly every real estate investment Horatio owned. Just a few years later, in 1873, Horatio decided to treat his wife and daughters to a much-needed escape from the turmoil, sent them to a boat trip to Europe, 
with plans to join them shortly after wrapping up some business in Chicago. He received a dreadful telegram from his wife, saved alone. It bore the excruciating news the family ship had wrecked and all four of his daughters had perished. Horatio was on his way to meet his broken-hearted wife, passing over the same sea that had just claimed the lives of his remaining children. It was then that he put his pen to paper and the timeless hymn was born, beginning with the words, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like a sea billow rolls, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It's incredible to think that this man's greatest gift to the church, his song, one of the most beautiful hymns ever written, was given out of misery, out of grief, out of the sorrow of his own soul. That's why I said, friends, our greatest gift can come out of misery. Our greatest worship can come out of, out of our greatest loss, out of our greatest brokenness, out of our greatest storms, our greatest trials that we face. And that's what happened with Leah. She was miserable. And the Lord, the Bible says that the Lord looked down upon her in her misery and gave her a beautiful gift and gave her, gave her children. And so, friends, what is it that the Lord wants to do in us through our grief? You know, a lot of times when we go through difficult times, we have one of two responses. We can shut down, shut the world out, go into depression, oppression, isolate ourselves, not talk to anyone. Or we can take that as an opportunity to say, God, I'm not giving up, I'm not isolating myself. I'm going to let this season be my best season I've ever had. You know, when we think about how faithful our God is, it usually isn't necessarily in our highlights of our life. It's usually when we remembered when we were so low and we remember God was with us and his peace was there and his faithfulness was there. I think those are the testimonies. Those, that's the most powerful thing. It says they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Friends, what is your testimony today? Let's pray. Jesus. <laughs> Father, we call them heroes of faith, and that's what they are. But God, they're not, they're not without flaw, as we clearly seen that Jacob, who has so many amazing qualities, had a loved you, wrestled with, with God and triumph, his name was changed to Israel. I mean, 12 tribes of Israel, I mean, such a pillar of faith, such a pillar of, of our of our Christian heritage, of our, excuse me, of our of our heritage at the beginning when God was making covenant with man. And yet we see flawed. He showed affection and special attention and favoritism to one wife and, and not to the other. And yet she wasn't 
Her life wasn't meaningless. Her life was beautiful. It was amazing. That's why I entitled this Show Love to Leah, Lord, because I believe that there are things in our life that we need to show attention to. It's going to bear so much fruit. One of the things I pray, I pray that God, that if, if, I pray that, that our prayer life would be Aaliyah, in that it would be so fruitful. I pray that our personal devotional time with you would be so incredibly fruitful, God, in the name of Jesus. I pray that, God, that our efforts for your kingdom would become so amazingly fruitful, God. And I pray today, God, if any of our family in here, because we are we're the body of Christ, is really going through a difficult time, Lord, we pray even now in, the, in our misery, God, in our trials, whether we're just fighting to fight through, I pray that this would be some of our greatest fruitfulness. I pray that this would be some of our greatest time of intimacy with you. I pray that we would cling to you ever the more stronger, harder. I pray that our grip would, would become tighter. As one of the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful spiritual songs was birthed out of anguish. I pray that God that if any of us face major tragedy in our life, give us that heart to say, God, it is well with my soul. Friends, now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he strengthen you with his grace. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May he turn his face towards you. And friends, may he give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want to open it up to, to if there if you would like uh, some special prayer, you want uh, just extra attention and, and prayer to get to uh, today. I would love to do that. I'd love to pray with you today before we uh, dismiss everyone. So if you would like prayer, I would love to do that. If not, friends, I want to say again, thank you for joining with us today. I pray that you have an amazing rest of your week. I pray that you're being challenged and encouraged by the Lord today and, uh, and that you can do it. Every challenge that you're going to face this week, you got this. In Jesus' name, amen.